This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet of the Apes, episodes 9 and 10. <laughs> Relax. Huh? Yes, Sarko. After all, it's only a horse race. Yeah, with half my horses and half my land bet on the result. Well, think of how rich you'll be if you win. If, if, if you insist on the race. You make all the arrangements. You demand the bet. Have you ever lost a race to any prefect? There's always a first time. (laughs) Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that Galen, Verdun, and Burke will find in an old iPod shuffle in the ruins of San Francisco in episode 15. I'm your host, Luke, here with my co-host, Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you, just mentioning off of uh, uh, what you said, how long do, um, what do you call them? What do you call when you, you put the things in the ground for a long time? Time capsule. Time capsule. How long do those last? I, I think it depends what they're made out of. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's an, that's an easy answer. That was dumb of me. <laughs> I just mean there's, later on, spoiler, there's a sort of time capsule sort of thing. And my first thought was, there's no way this thing would still be in the ground. Did you uh, bury a time capsule as a child in a paper bag? No, I didn't. But I know you you actually had a time capsule. Did we ever talk about that? Yeah, yeah. We talked about it. It was my Millennium time capsule. <laughs> That's right. And it was mostly just... It was just... Uh, uh, memories Park. of Seinfeld. Memories of Seinfeld. That's right. What other memories were there from before yeah, the year 2000? <laughs> All right, Jordan, if that's all that's real. <laughs> that is all that's real. I just avoid it every time. Um, we're going to do uh, a classic mm-hmm. segment. We're going to recast Planet of the Apes. But as you pointed out earlier in the week when I when when we were chatting about this, obviously they've already remade the movies. There's a whole trilogy now out. So there's really mm-hmm. no reason to go and make a big blockbuster film out of this. So you were like, let's remake it as a series. Let's yeah. make Planet of the Apes the series. It's this series again, but in 2019. Yeah. Same characters. It's not the same plots, I'd assume. Unless you want to keep the... Uh, the gladiator episode because you like that a lot well i hope they go to a farm yeah they will go to a farm uh great idea i love it we're gonna get into it so i'm gonna shape shake it up a little this time um we're not gonna do a director we're gonna do a showrunner Mm -hmm. and i think we should start with the showrunner just because that'll set the tone for the series a a lot um and i gotta tell you i'm open to all your suggestions but i am very happy with everything i've chosen (laughs) that's good i like i like that coming into a room and just being like look Everything you have is fine, but we're not changing a thing. I wrote down this segment in my notebook, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I have no ideas for this, and I walked away from it for many, many days. And then finally yesterday, I'm like, well, I have to write something. And I sat there for a very long time, and it all started clicking into place. And I was like, oh, man, now we've got a real TV series. Okay, well, I'm I'm excited because I don't know if I feel as strongly about my picks. I'm I'm not saying I just haphazardly threw them together on a page. But I haphazardly threw them together on a page. Tell me what, what you're thinking. Not not for anything specifically right now, but in my mind, this TV show is masks again. Like it's people in masks. Oh, I know. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh no, no. There's no there's no CGI voice. No, it's it's people in costumes just 
much better 2019 yeah, version. Yeah, it, it's all tweaked costume. and yeah. like made to look great, but it's still everyone. Everyone's in a costume, Agreed. right? Okay, great. Then we're already starting off the same page. Okay, I'm very happy. No, I think I think we're gonna be fine. I think you and I will still be friends at the end of this. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, well, no, because you're so happy. Should I give you my pick for showrunner to start? Yeah, let's start with your showrunner, and okay. give me, you know, let me know why, and et cetera, et cetera. To start this list, I went through all the like top showrunners. Now, I think one of these, I don't know stupid magazines variety one of those had like you know top pushers in the industry whatever they you know stupid pushers they're whatever. drug dealers yeah whatever they have and so i was going through and then i came across a name which you'll be familiar with and i realized this might be the perfect reboot person and that person was ronald d moore oh ronald d moore eh? from Star galactica mm-hmm. and, and and show running a show right now although i should have written it down but i can't remember but he's show running a show right now yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's had a few other kicks to the can. I don't know if anything's quite hit the way Battlestar did, but he he's still out there working. Yeah, so what do you think of that? You know what? I don't hate it. That's like... <laughs> I love that. It's a good choice. Like, Ronald D. Moore rebooting a classic science fiction That's franchise. It's it's a pretty solid choice. I mean, it might be too spot on because he's like, he's like, oh, you want me to do another one? Oh, it's uh, Electric Dreams is what he's doing. And Outlander. Oh, right. Outlander. That's right. Yeah. Electric yeah. Dreams, the Philip K. Dick. Oh, he only did one episode of that. Sorry, I'm looking at Outlander is what he's show running. Yeah. What is that one about? Outlander? Is that um, the. It's that about the a old... lady who um, uh, time travels to the past and, and sexes it up oh, with a lot yeah. of like, okay. Scottish men. Yeah, Melanie watches that. So yeah. I, I knew what it was. It took me a second. Real sexy. Yeah, sure. I watched about an episode and was like, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very reasonable. Yeah. Nothing you hate more than sexual intercourse. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the case. It was. The TV show was as boring as possible. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, I also had to do a similar thing. I had to sit down and be like, who who show runs right now is out there that you would choose to do this? And like, I want that fun adventure show feeling that this TV show currently has. Yeah. There's nothing like that being made right now. I would agree with you. Yeah, This is a very 70s kind of show. This, like we've said it before, there's a lot of shows like... You know, the closest thing would be like, this is like The Fugitive. It's a very similar sort of yeah. adventure of the week. They're chasing something every time. I mean, I started getting to the point where I'm like, do I need to look at like who show ran that reboot of uh, Lethal Weapon as a TV series, which would have been like a buddy comedy mm. kind of thing. But I'm like, I, I, I haven't seen it. I've heard it's middling. Um, I like the cat. The actors in it are kind of great. And it's kind of a cool cast, but I don't think it ever really like really came off the page in a way that really right. got into my radar anyway. So I really had to like go through a huge list like you did. And I realized if you can't do adventure show, which I actually think maybe that is the problem with this show. Maybe it doesn't work as an adventure show. Mm, Okay. So I'm like, what's the next best thing? What is working on Planet of the Apes? And I feel like where I'm loving, it's a medical show this week. And this week, maybe it's about ghosts. Like who knows? I'm like, who's the kitchen sink showrunner? Who's the guy who will literally do everything in one season of television. Is it Ryan Murphy? It's Ryan Murphy. I knew you were going to pick Ryan Murphy. He's perfect. I thought of him too. There's nobody I can imagine who would come in and be like, all right, this week, uh, I don't know, um, Aliens Attack. Uh, this week, oh, right. Vampires. There's Vampire Apes this week. It's it's a pretty good pick. I, I feel like he would be he would bring a certain level of fun and weirdness that uh, Planet of the Apes needs. Again, I think you feel more strongly about him than I do about Ronald Moore. So let's go with Ryan Murphy. Sorry, Ronnie yeah <laughs> yeah sorry ronnie oh you're so close all right well let's uh let's get into the casting then now that uh okay. i forced you to agree with me no 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 i think it's a good pick let's get it let's get into alan verdun 
Okay, I have two picks for Alan. I'm almost all these. I have two picks. I only have one pick for each of them, so we'll have three to choose from. Okay, so my first pick was going in, as I usually say, in a slightly different direction. Jeffrey Wright. Okay, okay. I don't. I don't hate it. It's a little different. It's a little different. He's um, the older, the older astronaut of the two yeah. of them. I'm a little, a little, a little grizzled, a little wiser, a little bit slower. I can see him being a little more cautious, kind of really pushing the difference of the two. Less that they're both adventures and one's a little bit, you know, a little different. Yeah, a little different. Yeah. I I tweaked it a little myself. I I decided to gender swap it mm-hmm. just because I'm like went through it. I'm like, there's not a lot of opportunities for women on the show. I know. I thought the same thing. And I couldn't really think of a great leading man for this role that I thought worked or was at least interesting. So I it's I've made it Alice for done. Okay, that's my that's my yeah, naming. And that's I went, the female of Alan. I went with uh, yeah, that's that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, I went with Gwendolyn Christie, Brienne of Tarth from wow. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's a, that's a pick. I'm just imagining her as like a little more no nonsense, but like I always think she's like watchable and she could land those flying kicks. Yeah, is it going to be comical that no matter who she's with, they're going to be up to her waist? Well, I think that's kind of the fun of it. All that's the, the apes are going to be like. Obsessed. Okay, and before we before we decide, my second pick. Yep. In a different direction, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. I don't hate that either. A little different. And he's he's very, got look. He's got a great head of hair. Great, great nineteen seventies hair. <laughs> he's very watchable. He'd bring a yeah. lot to the role. Oh man, that's a tough what call. Do we think? It's a tough call. Well, let's go to the phones and see what people say. I did railroad Ryan Murphy through. I feel like is there is there a front runner for you of this of these three? I think I like Jeffrey Wright just because it's so I think he would bring something really different to the role. But I'm not I'm not against anything. I, I, I think I'd go with Jeffrey Wright too. Let's go with Jeffrey Wright. Okay. I, I think we're gonna have were to all... we're after getting a woman in one of these roles then. Well this is I'm not all, bringing him. So. Yeah, this is an all guy cast, unfortunately. Oh that was my only lady option, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's up to you now. Okay. Um but you know what I think Jeffrey Wright could be I think all three of these characters would have been a very different role but all very well what's her face gwendolyn christie is her name yes yeah she can play an ape (laughs) because like you know we we talked about before like like it's it's great guest stars of people you know she'll be it'll be the one episode it'll be the basketball episode as we all know from the wikipedia there are no female apes in planet of the apes i know it's (laughs) i know i thought of that every time in these next two episodes i'm like they're all over the place (laughs) who wrote this wikipedia article all right uh pete burke again two picks um my first one I don't even know how strongly I feel about this anymore. Um, I put Dominic West. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and now I'm, now I'm actually already changing my mind. Let me throw the second idea before you even give me yours. All right. And the second one, I didn't realize till right before we started recording what I had done. And the second pick I had is James Franco. And I didn't remember that he was actually in one of these movies. Oh, right. He is, he's in the, the yeah. first one. But I was like, hey, wouldn't James Franco be good in a Planet of the Apes movie? And clearly someone else already thought that. It is, it is clearly everyone's go-to thought. Yeah. Hey, it, James Franco. Isn't that funny? And I, just before we sat down, I looked over this and I went, oh, man, he, man, he's in one of those. So anyways, I don't know if I feel strong. So maybe you have a better pick for that. I went with John Cho. All right. You know what? I think that and Jeffrey Wright is a pretty, pretty interesting combo. He's probably the right age. Like he's like over thirty. He's a little older actually than probably Pete is. But I think if you have him in like sort of snarky, like that way that Pete, mm-hmm. Pete like never wants to do anything, like you kind of give him that little sarcastic edge. Oh, so no, I think it's good. I think he could be a lot of fun. Okay, I, I'm I'm liking this cast so far. All right, Galen. Galen. Who's replacing Roddy McDowell? <sighs> okay. I I've got a humdinger of a pick. I feel okay. Like. I, I I think this I'm, was hard. Picking okay. the apes was so hard. Here's my first pick. Martin Freeman. Okay. Okay. A little different. That's very different. But he seemed like he'd be game for it. 
I, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, as long as you put someone else in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't think you do it? Okay. And then here's my second pick, which I just really went out there and I thought, you know what? If it's a Ryan Murphy show, as we're apparently doing, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. Well, you you really see Galen with a lot of gravitas. Yeah. Well, I just thought, I don't know. I just, I don't know why. I just, I think I just thought of people that would look funny with makeup on. <laughs> I sort of leaned into Galen sort of like rich sort of sheltered mm-hmm. idea and i wanted to find someone who would like feel a little bit like a fancy boy bill gates <laughs> yes everyone's <laughs> idea of a fancy boy <laughs> bill gates bill gates what an odd choice bill gates i went with paul f Tompkins. wow okay yeah let's Fam- do it famous for his bow ties and his fancy let's do suits. it and he's a comedian so he'll like mm. add a letter i don't know that was my galen pick no no i like it i you've got the you've got the pick i can see why you came in all uh, uh all blustery and confident i i was really feeling this cast yeah. i'm like i would watch the show definitely no I, you've got it that one's much better than mine all right this one will be fun again billy bob thornton's gonna show up in an episode they and be an ape oh we got ryan murphy everybody's coming yeah. in susan sarandon's there for an episode <laughs> full makeup yeah <laughs> all right dr zayas Okay, this is my only one. I have three picks, and I'm just gonna throw oh, them. Wow. To you, throw them to you quick, and you just go like you go. Eh, or yeah. Okay. All right. Here you go. Ready? Kieran Hines. Eh. Brendan Gleeson. Oh. Rafe Fines. Eh. So Brendan Gleeson is the one that you're thinking. I think Brendan Gleeson. Is it because he kind of already looks like Doctor Zayas? I mean, it's not a bad. It's not a bad Doctor Zayas. I'll. I think it probably would be mine. Okay. I had a lot of trouble. I'm like, who do you put in this? Mm-hmm. Eight mask that you still get a performance and it has of. to have that hair he's got to have that bowl haircut <laughs> well i mean that's all part of the makeup yeah, of it, right yeah. yeah no no i know no but i mean he's gonna be wearing the hair it's not like you have to be like sorry actor you've been cast and we've got to cut your hair into that hilarious haircut <laughs> um i went with crispin glover crispin glover i mean oh i think he's gonna be trouble on set though it's he will be trouble and it, he's probably a real weird doctor's ass i think brendan gleason probably is, is a more appropriate choice okay let's go brendan gleason then what what an odd choice though you had. I just was trying to find think of somebody who could put on a mask and do and something with give it. Give crazy eyes. Right. And who else is better at crazy eyes than Crispin Glover? <laughs> All right. Final casting. Urko. Arguably my favorite character this entire show. Okay, we have to talk about this. Luke, I have notes all through these episodes going, it's it's official. Urko is by far my favorite character in the show. And these two episodes we're gonna talk about, it just cements that fact. He is AI is my favorite character. So I have two picks again. One I think you'll like. One I think you might not be sure. Okay. All right. Idris Alba. Okay. A little different. Yeah. A little suave. Yeah. And this one you're going to love. Dwayne, Ron- Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> the Rock. Come on. I mean, that's an interesting idea. And both of these are very different from mm-hmm. where I went with it. I don't know how you're going to feel about my choice. And I hummed and hawed over... Who to put in this mask for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's a real hard choice, Jordan. I picked Michael Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't know. Something warped, that warped voice. You put him in that mask. I'll tell you, he, he's he's available and ready to do it. He, well, he'd be excited. He'd be he, very excited. He'd bring yeah. a lot to it, I feel like. He'd spend all his time having his warp script and you'd be walking around and be like, guys, do you want to make this next? Well, make I'm excited script? for him when the show cancels. He'd be like, hey, how about this Urko show? <laughs> Captain Urko. Well, I'm going to leave this one. What do you think? Do you, do you like Michael Dorn? Is he enough of a name? I mean, I don't know. It's tough. <sighs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson's interesting. It might be too much for that role. huge. Like, it, it would be a lot. It just Alba's cool, too. 
But is he too cool? I don't know. He might be too cool for that for that because that role's kind of gotten to the point where, honestly, we can talk. Urko's a scene stealer at this point. Every time he's on the, on the episode, I'm like, yes, more Urko. You know what's weird? I'm not sure we've nailed it with any of these. I think you're people. right. How about we do this? Let's get through the episodes and then let's come back at the very end and see if along the way we think of any better actors. All right, deal. Yeah. What a tease. What a tease. Wait till the end of this episode. Okay. You know, I, I agree with you. I just doesn't feel right. So we're almost there. We've almost cast we're this almost masterpiece. There. This Ryan Murphy thing is almost done. All right. And we'll do a recap at the end. So let's get into episode nine. Here is the IMDb summary for episode nine. The Horse Race. <laughs> That's as direct a, a, a title as you're going to get. They're very direct on the, all the yeah. titles. Guess what this one's about. Horse Race. Oh. <laughs> That's. I thought it was a metaphor. Yeah. Nope. Verdun agrees to race a chimpanzee prefect's horse against Urko's best horse in exchange for a condemned boy's freedom. Urko has never lost a race, but of course, as Verdun finds out, Urko doesn't play fair. Despite Urko's treachery and cheating, Verdun prevails in the end. That was courtesy of Ape Freak. Yeah, Ape Freak. You know what? Without Ape Freak, I don't know where we would be. Like, he just like really is just like, don't worry, though. He's going to prevail in the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You don't, I don't want to watch this episode and find out that they get this horribly, the horribly, horribly, horribly murdered. This is the one where it all, yeah, comes, it all down. comes down. So as the title suggests, it all begins on a horse race. And mm-hmm. Urko is, he's basically challenged another ape prefect in one of these little counties or however the society's divided up to a horse race. And, you know, they basically each get a rider, get a jockey. They get one of their best horses and they do this race. And if the prefect loses... Urko gets half his land and half his horses. Yeah, what we find is Urko's apparently a huge gambler, but not really because... Well, he sets the stakes, too. He sets the stakes, and well, he's clearly controlling the race. So he's, he doesn't lose because he's fixing all the races. Yeah, I was like, he, yeah, I, everyone would love that gambling. He loves racing. He loves cheating even more. Yeah, <laughs> he does love cheating. And it's never even clear what the prefect can win. Yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? I mean, they're just like, yeah, the only thing they bet is their own land. It's not like at the end, they're like, oh, I doubled my land. And so much of it, like half your land and half your horse. It's like, I'm like that's that's a huge loss. But I think um, uh, Urko's losing so many people uh, just chasing the uh, the two humans that he's got to just, he has to keep. He's re-upping constantly. He's got to re-up. He's more horses, more horses, guys. In this first race, though, he, Urko nearly wins. And at the last second, his horse throws a shoe. Which causes him to lose, which he's not too pleased about. Yeah, and he vows vengeance against the blacksmith. Quick question for you. So it becomes a character. As most of these episodes, you have your sort of one-off characters that the, the humans are going to interact with. And in this episode, it's a blacksmith and his son. Mm-hmm. I felt weird about the human being a blacksmith. Don't you think the ape should be in blacksmiths and like the humans are sort of like just their slave sort of thing? It just seems like too much of a skilled job to be giving a human. It's interesting. I wonder... We've you know of, what I mean? We've kind of seen the apes don't like hard work, though. And I wonder if it's just too much yeah, hard work. Yeah, I guess work. that's true. Although there are farmers, so it's hard to say you're right. It could, it maybe, it's hard, hard to say. Also, I don't know what they know and don't know. They know they know how to use metal and make metal and obviously can make cells. There's cells every episode someone gets captured and is put in a cell. But they're still, like, making houses out of caves and stuff. I, I think that's an aesthetic choice. Oh, okay. That's just their preference. <laughs> right. the, an adobo of some sort. Right. <laughs> is that is that type of house? Yeah. That's right. Great. But yeah, he throws this shoe. He sends his gorillas. He's like, hey, go find a blacksmith to reshoe this before my next race. Because I guess once a year he goes around to every prefecture and forces them to do this race. This like seems yeah. to be a circuit he's doing once a year. He's loving it. It's a summer vacation, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, when the horse shows up at this blacksmith and this blacksmith's son's place, uh, who's hanging out there but Verdun, Burke, and Galen? Of course. 
Wait, they just happen to be there. They're yeah. just working well, for fun. W- what has become clear is in their race away from Central City, is what it's called? Correct. Central City to get to the information caches that they've never mentioned since that episode. I think they just keep going in a circle around the city. They never go more than like a kilometer away from the city. Yeah, they're just doing a, a loop around the loop city. Loop around. So they're, they're somewhere, uh, I don't know, within a kilometer of the city. I mean, it has been a while since they've established any intention or goal for them. Yeah. So it's hard to know what they're even up to these days. Yeah. So they're just hanging around because they have nothing to do. And uh, while they're hanging at this blacksmith shop, Galen gets bit by a uh, tiger scorpion or stung. Yeah. I guess you get stung by a scorpion. Now, let me ask you. There's, there's a lot of scoring we should have done on this way. This is how many times has Galen be injured and incapacitated through the episode? It's at least the second or third time. I mean, I can definitely think of it the second time. But He fell. He fell off that side of that hill. There's a scorpion. There's a scorpion. Maybe I'm mixing up with all the other times the other guys have been capacitated because one's got shot. One got, I don't know, drowsy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they get hurt a lot. They get hurt a lot. It's a dangerous world out in this planet yeah. of the apes. Uh, is there such a thing as a tiger scorpion? Do you look it up? No, I do not believe there is. Yeah. I did not look it up. It before. sounds cool, though. It does sound cool. But I guess this tiger scorpion is super deadly. So the blacksmith's son needs to break the law and ride a horse off to some clinic and then get him to hand over some vaccines. I swear we've seen humans ride horses before. No, I don't think we have. Never. This has been this has been the one thing, and I noted this because this becomes a big part of this episode, of like the law about humans riding horses, a big part of this episode. I was just like, this has been consistent at least. Oh, okay. They've definitely brought it up several times before this. It's just not something humans do. So he's sort of breaking the law to go get this vaccine. He gets from some doctor who begrudgingly hands it over. And on the ride back, Urko's Gorellos kind of catch sight of a human riding an ape. And one of the girls is like, hey, isn't, ain't that the blacksmith's son? And uh, it, the jig is up for the blacksmith's son. Yeah, they, they spot him right away. Um, but you get a great scene next of, um, I guess he gets his little like antidote sort of thing. I guess yep. you call it an antidote, yeah, right? Antidote. Or the medicine or whatever it is. And uh, they have to pour it into Galen's mouth. Right. And I just enjoyed that. Just his like unmoving mask. Like just, just pour this. Just pour this in there. Pour this right in there. So you know he's going to be okay. They it's, got the vaccine. It's a very short, like the threat is non-existent. It's just to get this kid seen on a horse. And also we find out that apparently uh, Alan's also an expert at horse husbandry. Yeah. The horse got shot when he's getting away and he's just like, hey, remember you guys how I'm good at farm stuff? Let me yeah. go help you with this horse. Yeah. But it's all it's all very short lived because the gorillas roll in. They're like, hey, who rode that horse? Verdun's like, it was me. And the kid's like, don't do this. It was me. And the kid's arrested and they're like, well... Thanks so much for giving yourself up. Um, after the big horse race, when Urko comes to town, as part of the after party, we're going to cut your head off. <laughs> yeah, because if there's one thing he, uh, Urko likes more than gambling, it's beheadings. Oh, you can only imagine an after party with an execution for Urko. Whew, yeah, what a he treat. Loves it. So, Jordan, yeah. we know he's traveling the country. We know he's racing prefects. Who is the next prefect up for this race? Oh, I, I, I don't know if I wrote down the name. You don't remember our good friend, Prefect Barlow? Okay, was it, hold on. It was the same guy? It is Prefect Barlow from okay. episode two, The Gladiators. I thought it was, but then I wasn't sure and I didn't go back and look because I, I was like, here's the thing. I was, he looks familiar is what I said. I says to myself, I says, he looks familiar. That, that uh, ape, he looks familiar to me. Yeah, 
He looks familiar. Did he used to run some sort of gladiator event? Well, that's it. He's Urko has tossed him from his old home at um, KMAC, I believe it was called, the old village where the gladiators were. Mm-hmm. He's come to a new prefect to work. And when we meet him, he's lamenting not only his moving to this new prefect, but also that he now has to be cheated by Urko in a race. Like, it's not even like people don't know Urko's cheating. They all know they're about to be cheated. They yeah. all know they're about to be cheated they out just of half their land and half their horses. They just don't know any way out of it. You just have to. You just have to get yeah. cheated. I did note that the uh, kid's name, the blacksmith's son, his name's Gregon. Gregon? Gregon. Gregon. Oh, that's a good Game of Thrones name. Yeah. Well, Galen's stoked to hear that Barlow's the prefect. So he's like, hey, we're pals. Remember we talked about ape history last time I saw him? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. I'm just going get to get his help to, you know, uh, release this kid who just is, got caught and is going to get executed. Um, but uh, Bar- Barlow's great because he shows him Barlow's response is, uh, you probably need my help again, don't you? <laughs> And basically, Barlow doesn't want to make any waves. He wants to get back to old K-Mac. He doesn't want to be here any longer. So he's not going to mess around by letting this kid go. Besides, it's against the law for humans to ride horses. It's really their own good. Um, but once Galen sort of floats the idea, it's like, hey, have you heard about Verdun? He's a master horse racer. Yeah, and he loves that idea. He's like, master, you say? I'm like, well, I have a horse race coming up. What I did like, though, is didn't you think, because there's this whole setup, this kid is riding horses against the law, and he's become a very good horse rider, and his dad's always like, don't get caught. Didn't you think the son was going to be the one they put up? Of course. It, it it seemed like that was the script, and someone went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, our two stars. One of the stars has to ride the horse. So he does. This, and, this kid can't ride for his own freedom. Now, let me tell you, though, this plot line. So we're going to you know jump ahead real quick. There's a horse, so they're like, okay, Alan's a master horse rider. He also was a great horse, but no one can ride this horse. It's Did, too wild. It's too wild. Didn't this scene seem like the exact same scene from Beyond Westworld? Not Beyond Westworld, Galactic 1980. That's the one. I wrote the same thing. I'm, I'm like, this is just like when they broke a horse in Galactic 1980. I love that I mix up all these 1970 shows because they're, they're all pretty much the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 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 the same. Verdon's a little skeptical whether he can do it, but... If he doesn't, the kid will die, and uh, we get a we get a quick scene of uh, his stunt double riding yeah, a horse. It's so clearly his stunt double. They're actually being pretty good about this. They they have a tendency every time he gets into a fight, they have the two of them come do their classic drop kick to dropped kick to start the fight, but then the camera goes really high, and you and you watch the action. But it actually looks pretty good. But it's clearly because it's stunt guys. This was like just a guy with some straw esque sort of wig on. I was like, yeah, that doesn't look good. <laughs> But this basically sets the deal. Verdun wins. He'll get the kid pardoned. Um, but one thing that Galen, Verdun, and Burke don't know is they don't know who they're racing against because Urko drops by and Galen catches a look at him and he didn't realize this is what the race was against. Mm-hmm. And they're quite upset because obviously if... Uh, sorry. Urko. Urko, yes, thank you. If Urko sees Verdun, I mean, the gig is up yeah. immediately. Yeah. What I did like, though, is when Urko drops by to talk to Barlow, Barlow's like, hey, listen, I know we've got a race coming up. I want to use this cool human rider that I've been training. I've already got Dr. Zayas to approve it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And uh, Urko's like, unorthodox, but uh, why don't we raise the stakes? All of your land and all of your horses. Yeah. And you're right. There's, there's no stakes on the other side. Urko, Urko can't lose. Well, I, in this particular case, what Barlow does is he's like, hey, I'll take the stakes. Oh, right. But if I win, I get to go back to old K-Mac, to my old gladiator mm. town. So he kind of, he at least sets himself. Oh, That's right. Is the first time we've heard anyone say like what you get if you win. It's sort of now we kind of have these stakes here. They need to win to get the kid out. 
Barlow needs to win to get his old home back, and they can't let Verdun be seen by Urko during the entire race, or I don't know, they'll all get shot. And and my feeling was there was one too many uh, threads dangling in this episode. Like there was just a lot of like why and like they just have to keep cutting back to like the blacksmith and he's like oh i have a feeling about something and then they got to cut to Verdun, uh, Verdun, and then they got to cut to pete and i was like what is happening just do the race already guys i i liked just how complicated it got it it was weird like it was unnecessary but yeah i appreciated like every scene was like oh, here's a twist here's a new twist for you but i like that they took time to have um uh when he was making the blacksmith was making the uh the oh. horseshoes and and, Ver- and verdun's like thinner thinner <laughs> yeah verdun verdun knows you need a thin horseshoe to win a race yeah it's very funny because they find out that you know urko's gonna cheat because th- barlow's like hey he cheats all the time so uh you better figure that out because otherwise you'll lose so they're like we're gonna cheat too well i know that's what's so funny it's like they're immediately like okay let's cheat too like i i was like oh wow did you write down all the different things that urko did and all the things they did well i did but the one thing that burke did is he made a mud puddle that they never used. Yeah, right? They spent all this time making a mud puddle. And then Galen carved like a little party cracker, like that thing you spin around and goes click, 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 click. That was the weirdest thing. We could talk about that. But yeah, like they're like, oh, we're going to cheat too. And so they make this little puddle, obviously. So when you're jumping over it, the horse is going to get stuck, I guess, the idea. I guess so. Never. And then comes the other thing, the Galen mentions at one point, he's like, and you made me make this like noise shaker. And he literally, the only time he uses it, he's in the crowd and he makes a little noise. And yeah. he's like, aren't I, aren't I sneaky? I was like, what was the point of that? Well, it appears like he makes it and like, Urko's like, what was that noise? And he just looks around. But I'm like, I guess it was so he wouldn't look at Verdun for a quarter Oh, second. is that what it was trying to be? But it didn't make it. Like, it wasn't a long-term plan. It made no sense at all. Like, their yeah. two plans don't make sense. <laughs> but what I did like is the blacksmith, whose son's going to be executed. Mm-hmm. He's like watching this. He's just like, you guys, I appreciate you trying to help. But like, you're trying to trick Urko he knows who you are. There's a million ways this could go wrong and my son could get executed. Yeah, so he's basically like, you know what? I'm flipping. He's like, yeah, he's like, he he heads out, finds Urko, who is doing uh, target practice. Javelin. Javelin target practice. Yeah, it's like darts, but with javelin. Yeah. I think that's a thing. I think it's like a medieval thing. Yeah, him and his gorillas are tossing him. I did like, uh, he gets a bullseye at some point and it's the, the physics of the... Uh, the javelin flying is clearly on a string floating yeah. through the air. I like it so I, much. I liked it. I really enjoyed the whole scene. But basically he... The blacksmith shows up. He's like, hey, listen, if I cheat for you and make sure this guy can't win, will you let my son go? And Erko's like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's a good deal. Uh, so he double crosses mm-hmm. done. And then as he's walking away, he kind of hears uh, a little plan they're making. They're like, uh, when uh, Verdun, when this human, we don't know who it is yet, when he, if he's going to cross the finish line first, you just shoot him. Yeah, humans can't ride horses. Just shoot him. Kill him immediately. And if he comes in second... Also, shoot him. Just shoot him after. Shoot yeah, him I like that. It was it was great. He's become a almost comical Joseph Stalin at this point, where his solution is just just kill him. Well, that's the solution for everything. I do like that because Blacksmith hear this and he's like, "Oh, I better go warn them," and he runs off. And then as soon as he's out of earshot, Urko's like, "Oh yeah, um, and that uh, kid we're gonna release uh, just for the end of the race. Let him go, and then say he escaped, and also shoot him." Yeah. So he like <laughs> double double crosses yeah. the blacksmith. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, and so many he's, bl- he's, double crosses. Is it just me, or is he really selling these scenes in these episodes, though? Oh, it's great. Well, at the end of this scene, where he's like, he's like, "All right, here's what we do: we shoot the human rider. I know what you're gonna we say. shoot this, and then he grabs the gorilla next to him, pulls him in real tight, and he just suddenly like shouts, "I, I love, love racing!" racing. <laughs> yeah. And the camera pushes in on two grinning apes <laughs> staring at the camera. Yeah, it's 
the greatest. Yeah, this this episode did have a lot of push-ins, more than normal, but I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of just like real push into a tight close-up on apes enjoying themselves. You know what I think, though? I don't think he loves racing as much as he loves an elaborate scheme to cheat. Like, that seems to <laughs> right. be the thing he loves more about these races than anything. And it's so nice to see him enjoying himself. Yeah, I would agree. It, it, it's nice to see him on vacation. It brought such a levity and joy to yeah. the entire thing. So the race is going to start, but what is the um uh the blacksmith? By the way, I wrote down the blacksmith should be played by F. Murray Abraham. Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good, it's right? Pretty good. Um, what is his plan? What does he do to the horse so that he is that extra little little help to make sure that Alan doesn't win the race? He puts metal wedges into the horse's shoes so it hurts the horse to stand on them. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know anything about horses and horseshoes. I guess that makes sense because it's just it's irritating them to it's not a level. Yeah, it, walking. Yeah, I think it would be like putting a big stone in your shoe and then right. asking you to race uh, Usain Bolt. Right. You'd still you'd lose either way, but one way would be slightly more uncomfortable. Right. And there's nothing nothing worse than losing and uncomfortable at the same time. Oh, what a what a pain! <laughs> Knocking you down. Yes, this is his plan. But when Verdun gets on the horse, uh, the horse immediately throws him because it, yeah. it it's hurt. And maybe this is where the mud puddle comes up because he gets thrown into a mud puddle. It's funny because at first. <sighs> I realized almost right after why he had to go into a mud puddle, but it seemed incredibly excessive. I was like, oh, why did they just throw the actor right into a mud puddle? But the reason is because he's obscured now. You can't really see who what well, he looks like. Yeah. But he falls into the mud puddle, and then he realizes there's something wrong with the horse. So him and Pete, who PYP just had nothing to do with this episode, they're just like, oh, there must be something wrong. And they realize, yes, there is something wrong with the shoes, but the race is about to start. And they're stuck trying to get these things. Yeah, out they're of the prying. Shoes. They're prying these things out to make them happen. What I liked is he falls in the mud puddle, and Burke's just like, "The perfect disguise. Urkel will never recognize you now. You're covered in mud." Were you thinking? I mean, maybe you weren't. This is what I kept wondering. I'm like, how are they going to get around him recognizing we're done? And I kept expecting for Dunn to show up in a mustache. <laughs> That'd have been pretty good. But you know, the thing is, they've sort of at least mentioned a few times that. The apes have, have trouble telling the humans apart. Now, I don't know how true that is, but would a mustache work? Mm, I don't know. I would have liked it either way. <laughs> maybe maybe a Van Dyke beard. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Fancy hat. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a, what is it called? A stove top. What's the hat that Lincoln wore? Yeah, stove top. Yeah, he wears one of those stove hats. Stove pipe? He also looks like Lincoln. Yeah. yeah, he just looks like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. That's a good, the apes don't know. What I did like is as the race is about to start, Barlow and Urko kind of have this great seat looking over sort of the uh, race grounds. And there's humans doing like acrobatics for their oh, am amusement. Are you going to say the same thing I am? Did you notice the one ape that runs through a couple of these scenes? No. The ape playing guitar? No. He, they don't focus on it. And it happens twice. And both times, clearly the actor's uh, direction was... Just keep strumming the guitar and run from one corner to another because he does it twice, very jauntily, and he runs playing. I was like, we've never seen any apes play instruments, and I I really want to know more about this guy. And I don't even think it was a proper guitar; it was like a you a, a lute. You want to see the episode where Verdun and Burke get the band back together for a bunch of apes? That'd be great. I did write a note on I think it's the next episode that I wish there was an episode where they just open like a coffee shop or like a pizza pizza store or something. <laughs> uh, two guys, an ape, and a pizza yeah. shop, and they just like and they just like teach them about like. Like, here, here's what a croissant is. Anyway. <laughs> Pretty good. Mm -hmm. What I did like is Urko, uh, Urko and Bur Barlow, sorry, are uh, having a little chat before it starts. And Urko's so flagrant. He just turns to Barlow. He's like, I hate to lose so much. I take every opportunity to win. He just like tells him flat out, yeah. I'm going to cheat you right now. Yeah. It's, it is so funny watching Bar uh, Urko interact with people in this episode. But 
you know, the the race gets underway. It's it's a pretty close race for the most part. And and here's the thing. So there's a bunch of little um little, Traps little things Urko like, like Annette goes on him and he trips at one point, but none of them really seem to slow him down for more than a couple seconds. So they're not great. Well, there's the one where he jumps the hurdle and like, yeah, he falls down. The horse falls over and like, I'm like, oh, that horse is going to break its leg. But even then, like Verdun's so fast, like he, like he almost seems like a half lap behind by the time he gets back on his horse. But he, like it's he a three, up. it's a three lap he's, race. He's clearly a better rider than the ape. So all the times he gets knocked back, he just catches back, catches it, back. Up. It's those thin shoes, those thin horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's sort of how the race goes. But as he's finally coming around the corner, he's, he's leading the race and the blacksmith warns Galen and Burke that, Hey, there's a sharpshooter. He's going to, he's going to pop off of Verdun when he, pat, before he passes that finish line, you guys got to stop him. I don't entirely know when they had the time to, but thankfully, uh, Galen has a coconut with him. Mm-hmm. And he sneaks up on the uh, the the ape gunman gunman gun ape the gun yeah, ape the gun ape, and uh, he opens the coconut over his shoulders, yep. and he drops the tiger scorpion. Tiger scorpion, and and the ape gets a real like ooh, face because everyone doesn't like those tiger scorpions. Okay, this is, might just be because I happen to pause it at this exact moment to write some notes. Did you have a good look at that scorpion? No. Is it just a puppet? It is insane. It went by so fast. Melanie was just like, what is going on with that thing? And I'm like, what? And we went back and watched a couple times. It appears to be some sort of grasshopper that they've either torn or tied its back legs there and then glued a fake scorpion tail to the back of that's not standing quite upright. And it's squiggling and wiggling everywhere, but clearly immobile. And it's it's like clearly an insect that's alive. That's been <laughs> well, that's awful. something awful's happened to it. They've glued a scorpion-looking-ish tail to it so that it like will flop around on this gorilla shoulder. Cheaper, cheaper than a scorpion. It was crazy. I went back and watched it a few I'll, times. I'll check it out again. And I was just like, "What has happened to this poor insect on this man's arm?" But right after this, uh, Galen, I, Galen yells at one point. I think he gets on a cart shortly after this, um, and he yells "Yeehaw!" <laughs> and my my point was. When would he have possibly ever learned yeehaw? Okay. Never. Never would he have learned that. Just in their comings and goings, uh, Burke's you, always yelling yeehaw. Do you think it's just a natural part of evolution if you get on a horse? You can't help like the, yourself. Like the first man gets on, he's just like, yeehaw. 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 Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah that's, maybe that's how it works. Anyways, that, apparently because that's what Galen does. I have a question though. At the end of this race, did you know that Verdun had won? No, it, it so the whole thing is a mess. The whole thing, like, the, what's a little disappointing this episode? I actually thought this was a pretty fun one-off episode. Not that they're not all one-offs, but the whole point is the race, and they sort of fuddle the beginning, and then it just is a muddled thing the whole way. At the end, you're like, oh, is it over? Because they there's so many other threads, like you've mentioned before, that that you're like the race seems to be inconsequential. Well, I mean, I could follow who is winning for the most of it, but at the end, it just became like they just sort of lost tracking who was where in the race and essentially because i think you're supposed to assume verdun won and he's sort of cleaned up as a result of the race like he's kind of like mm-hmm. not as muddy so the mud, the mud blew right off urko urko recognizes him he's like hey that's that fugitive verdun who just won this race and he starts like firing wildly into the crowd and yeah, i love that just indiscriminately just starts shooting and then he and then he turns to barlow and he's just like you're using a fugitive as your jockey and uh, barlow's like mm, is that so well doesn't affect our bet like, yeah, yeah. I was like, who knew? Yeah, and it was it's great. He's like, I don't I didn't see it in writing. I mean, even as the cast is going on, like people are running and screaming, there's gunshots going off everywhere. 
Barlow's like sitting in a chair, could not look more entertained. Yeah. He's just like loving well, every second. He's of just it. someone who likes that sort of entertainment. So this is perfect for him. It's true. He loves a gladiator fight. He loves yeah. a little chaos. Oh, and I should mention, so a big fight happens out. Pete finally gets his moment. And what does he do to start the fight? Yeah. The ape guarding the kid, double flying kick. Again, every to every fight. It's crazy. They, that's their go-to move. That's his go. I think really what it was was the actor got the role and they're like, can you do any any fighting? She's like, I got one move. And, and it's great. It, and it's a great move. But it's but it's like they were like every like do that again, do it again. Every episode he does that move. Can you imagine him? He just goes out to the bars at night and like picks fights. I'm just saying, really, it should be his finishing move, not his opening move. It's his opening move. He picks a fight with yeah. with a big guy, and the guy's like, "What are you gonna do about it?" And he just like double Bam. kicks. Him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they they get in a big fight. The chase is on. Basically, they they all get in a cart and, and off. ride off. Did you like? Uh, this is the first time we've ever seen Galen do a very ape like stunt. Oh yeah, he uh, is this the the cart's running. Uh, going and he hops off right well he and earlier than that even he running through the chaos to get to the cart he grabs a beam of a house and like swings up like a monkey and lands oh, on the I don't roof think i even saw like, that real like athletic kind of like they felt like monkey stunts for the first time i'm like oh great hmm. i was like this is awesome finally some monkey stunts but yeah he jumps onto the cart they get on this cart and get away and at some point they jump off and hide under a bridge and let the cart ride off. And Urko just keeps chasing the cart and they kind of, you know, the day is saved. Yeah. Barlow gets to go off to Capac, Capac, K Mac, K Mac. But yeah, like they got away. In fact, it's very funny. Barlow's riding off. He's like, I'm on my way back to K Mac. I'm not even waiting till my yeah. prefect takes over for me. He's just like, whatever. I'm on my way. I won. He he rides past Urko, who's still chasing the cart, and he's and Urko's like, Did you see the cart go by? He's like, I don't know, maybe. Um, but uh. You're going to honor your bet, and Barlow, or Urko's like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I got to honor my bet, so uh, see you later. <laughs> then he bumps into all our heroes, just yeah. wandering down the road. And as we know about Barlow, he loves a father-son team. Yeah. So he's like, hey, you, blacksmith, son, want to move to K-Mac with me? What I like, though, is is this same thing the show. The show is so terrified of not tying up all its loose threads. They're like, um, and then those two people go away. Because you don't want any of the viewers to be like, wait a minute. What happened to that blacksmith? Shouldn't they still be with them? Do you, like you got to get all the people out. Do you think he just trains the blacksmith and son to be gladiators again? Probably. Just like the last. Yeah, he's son? like. Yeah, he's just like. Well, it's time to be gladiators again. You're replacing my last father son who yeah, I got killed. Exactly. And that's the episode. One other thing I did want to say, and I know you didn't notice this was the same ape from uh, episode two, the same prefect. Well, I recognized him. I just couldn't remember from where. You weren't for sure. I am almost. I mean, it's probably not a hundred percent the same, but it it is practically a shot for shot thing. Because at the end of that first one, basically, Barlow's like, all right, thanks, guys. Goodbye. And it ends with, like, the three of them just running into mm-hmm. up a hill, basically. Like, a, just up a hill yeah. in a wide shot. And this ends in the exact same way. They're like, all right, bye, guys. And they turn around and just in a wide shot. They just run up you a hill. You think it's the same shot? I don't think it's the same shot. But I was like, is this the same hill? <laughs> it could very well be. You, you mean uh, K-Mac? Is that what it's called? K-Mac, yeah. K-Mac. Do you think K-Mac is just on the other side of that hill? Yeah, they, they ran. That's where he got sent. Uh, like, he's just like he's like I got to get back o- over right there. I'd like to be over there. It sucks over here. Over there is pretty good. I like the I liked it over there. But yeah, that that wraps up that episode. So uh, let, let's go on. There's a lot more Urko uh, to talk about. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the IMDb summary for episode ten, the interrogation. interrogation. This capture of Burke could not have come at a more opportune time. We have an experiment. Experiments. Why must we always make a simple problem so complicated? It is not necessary to experiment. Say this, all our troubles stem from the two astronauts 
and Galen. Once they are destroyed, our problems are over. The planet can return to normal. Can you guarantee that there will be no more Burks or Verdans in the future? Can you guarantee that next time there will not be five or ten instead of two humans landing here, perhaps in different parts of our land? No more than you can guarantee that there will ever be any others. The prudent ape is prepared for the worst. Therefore, it is extremely important for us to determine once and for all why these two humans are different from the ones who live here now. When Burke is captured by Urko's soldiers, he's forced to face two equally horrifying options. He can either, <laughs> he can either be killed outright by Urko, or he can be used in a brainwashing experiment being performed by a prominent ape doctor using a forbidden bracket, human, br close bracket, text on the subject if you're going to be brainwashed though you want it to be a prominent doctor right that was courtesy of ape freak ape freak it's always got to be ape freak who was the person way back when that was always doing doing the reviews do you remember uh, for this show or no no just for one of them there was one person like they wrote like 30 of them well, we've had a few repeat customers yeah it's what a weird thing to do i mean no weirder than what we're doing but still it really upsets you it's just i just i can't imagine just being like watching a tv show and be like i gotta get online and write write a recap i will say one thing about this particular review by uh, this a summary by a freak he says Ver, uh, burke gets a choice burke never gets a choice no that's true this is not a choice that burke makes like he's forced into these places he never right. is given an option but other than that perfect perfect summary now you mentioned something a little earlier that there's something I felt, and especially in these two episodes, which is, I like these two episodes much more than some of the other ones. It might just be because we took a break and we watched Steel Justice, and in comparison, this is like Citizen Kane. But it is missing that direction that I think is the one thing that's keeping this from being like, hey, that was a fun little show, to like, this is a pretty good show, is they're just wandering. And it, and it, I feel like I'm getting a little tired of like, the pointlessness it's too yeah it's just aimless and just pointless them walking around i'm like guys have something they're never driving the action and that's they've been even pushed more to the periphery of like they just wander in on things every time it's true i mean it'd be nice too because if they had more goal in episodes they could do a one-off episode and right be a breather from but right now it's all just like kind of random but we start with uh apes and horses again as we like to it's a very much like that starting of the surgery episode where it just yeah. like starts midstream of like them being chased yeah and i've said it if i've said it once i've said it a thousand times guys don't run in an open field keep to the trees hey sometimes there's still open fields out here i guess in in the in the one kilometer they keep circling around yeah. the central city essentially yes they're chased by apes burke is caught immediately in a net yeah of course he is galen does another cool ape trick though did you see how he jumped up and climbed into that uh, hole did. in a tree i did yeah he's getting better he's getting much better at controlling that ape suit mm -hmm. but essentially the whole thing is burke's captured he's brought to central city as always urko and zayas have a big argument over what to use the prisoner for they always do i, I you know here's the thing urko urko makes more sense his basically is simple it's like the problem is just these two guys. It's not a greater problem. It's these two guys. We eliminate these two guys. All the repercussions of them are gone. So why are we fuffing around here? And and Zayas is all like, well, I could use an experiment. It's like, no, I'm with Urko. Get rid of him. Also, well, better show. It's the Urko Adventures. <laughs> I mean, Urko's line here is exactly what they're arguing about. How he's just like, let's just use him to set a trap and catch the other two. And Zayas is like, I've got an experiment. Urko's line is exactly... 
why do you make everything so complicated? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's right. But essentially, Dr. Zayas has found this old brainwashing text. He's got this cool Dr. Wanda. Okay, there's a couple things here. One, they found the text because it was in a um, time capsule. Time capsule, which we've mentioned. From time, 1986. 1986. Which, what does he say? Very popular in 1986 to bury time capsule. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts. We already mentioned that. I wasn't sure how long time capsules went. You're, you made a very good point. I guess depends on the material. Are they always finding human artifacts and keeping them from the public? That's my first question. Second, how much do you love the name Wanda for an ape? And third, did you notice this is the first ape that wore glasses? I did notice that it was first ape that glasses, but you're right. I liked Wanda. Wanda was a great name for an yeah. ape. So Wanda the ape. Fun. And uh, Orko has a whole library of stuff. I think he's finding this stuff all the time and like put it in his library. So he's so they're finding so conceivably there are some sort of architects, archa apes, whatever they call them. And uh, I don't know why I would say that. That's <laughs> stupid. And uh, so these these ape architects are finding stuff. They go to get, uh, Zayas and go, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And he's like, "Looks good." And he just puts it away. Yeah, I think so. I would say if the this one, is a lot. This is a lot to keep from people. Is what I'm saying. Well, here's the thing: is I feel like he's been keeping it from them for a while, but this would be the first time he's like, "Hey, let's use some of the information." Right. And I, I'm gonna once again give the show too much credit, but I feel like this is like the first time we're saying it's like, listen, it's been tough fighting these guys. Let's start using some of this stuff to our advantage. How to brainwash a human being? Let's use it. Another question, and I'm gonna we're gonna get to this episode shortly. Are, is what they're doing brainwashing? Well, all right. We'll get into brainwashing in a second. But w- when they're talking about brainwashing initially, Urko says, oh. uh, yeah, I think I've heard of brainwashing. And what does he think brainwashing is? He, he mentions like taking the brain out and actually washing it. And he says, yeah, that's where you take the brain out of the skull and run under cold water, right? And, and we're not doing justice to this scene. It's actually very funny. And it's the actor who sells it. Urko is just killing he it. He kills it in these episodes. And he also talks about like, he's like, guys, if we're going to do brain surgery, because the basic thing is... What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna brainwash Pete to give us the information we want, and we'll be able to capture all the other guys, and then blah blah blah. Well, and, and Doctor, sorry, before we move on, I just and Doctor Zayas's whole thing is just like it's two now. Next time it could be five. Next time it could be ten. Like he envisions some sort of humans from the past invading the future. But Urko's like, guys, if you're gonna do some sort of deal with their brain, why don't we do what we always do, which is essential as a lobotomy, is they separate the frontal lobe. Yeah, they drill a hole. Yeah. And they just pop the fertile which, which we've never seen before. And I don't think we've actually seen humans that seem to have had that surgery. No. But it clearly it's, uh, they mentioned that this has been something that Urko likes doing. It's which a is, fave. It's and, a fave. And why? Because it makes humans nice and docile. <laughs> Urko's a big fan of a lobotomy. Yeah. He loves it. He's like, guys. And then they're like, no, no. And he's like, fine. But he's exasperated in every scene. That's what I like of him. Every scene he's in, he's just like, he's like someone who's just trying to do his job. He, it's simple and basic. And then people are complicated. And he's like, fine. Fine. We'll do it your way. All right. Since we're doing it Dr. Zayas' way, what is Dr. Wanda's brainwashing method? Like, can you break it down, kind of what we're seeing? Basically, she wants to make him break down his defenses by making him tired and irritable. So she does it. Should we go through all the things she does? Yeah, let's do it. So the one thing she does is, it was actually, I didn't realize it was a technique. It was annoying me. And as I was watching it, I knew, so I knew it would annoy you. There, there was a there was a bell being uh, there's bells and drums and gongs in the back, ringing all and the, the time. entire my notes are just like, can you stop this? It's driving me crazy. So it was the, her method was working on me because I I have, I have irritability with noises. So they're doing that and basically asking him questions. The basic only question is like, who are the humans that helped you? Yeah, it's a very much trying to be like, I think like a marathon man esque scene, but it's not quite as good. Uh, not quite as good. It's not nearly as good. But um, anyway. That's one thing. That's one she, thing. She also, they also take those like coconut-esque uh, light signals and they use them to like flash in his face and sort of, I guess it's like a heat thing. 
I think it's it's maybe not heat and just uncomfortable or maybe like being in a interrogation cell they shine a light and you're like they're basically using it to shine and we've seen these things because this is the communications they use yeah um someone actually uh, tweeted at us and Mm. told me like it's called a heliograph when you use those flashing things it was from your arch nemesis uh at c chupik (laughs) which one was that is that the one that suggested steel justice yeah that's him Uh oh but he, he he sent me a message. Was like, those are called heliographs. And I looked into them. I'm like, oh, oh cool. you know, he's got he's got some good things going for him too. Yeah. And and I think the last uh, thing she does is my favorite, which is she just spins him. Yeah, they put him on a spinning table and they just spin him around. Yeah, but it does start breaking him down. To be fair, I liked his dizzy vision, which was just a kaleidoscope over yeah. a lens of POV. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It starts breaking him down. Uh, I guess it, she says it's messy. It's it's messing with his sense of self and his sense of others. And she's doing this because she's hoping to. Uh, use her feminine compassion to like confuse him basically for a female he's loved in his life. And when it comes time to, I love it because she's like, well, time to work. And she like fluffs up all her hair yeah. on her head. But it's a, it's a bit of a stretch because I know what they're doing. They're basically, they're breaking him down to the point where he's very susceptible. And now, now that he's susceptible, she's going to be kind to him and he's going to respond to her in that way. But they don't really do that. And I mean, and again, let's talk about brainwashing my, maybe I'm wrong, but isn't it forcing someone or at least, coercing them to be persuaded that something they into something that they don't normally believe wouldn't that be brainwashing as opposed to this which is i think does it all fall under the same banner of brainwashing I think this is kind of the beginning of a brainwashing like i think first they're breaking him down they're going to make him tell things he wouldn't want to normally tell to show like the sort of show like, i don't know i feel like this is it didn't feel to me this wasn't brainwashing. It just felt like it was the early stages. Like this right. was just the beginning of you torturing someone. I do like though that the whole time she's doing it, she has the book with her. Like she didn't get through the whole book. She's just like page. She's like, oh, page nineteen. All right, I got to do this. Then she like doesn't. And she's like, all right, page twenty, and she just like flips through the it's book. Like a recipe. You just yeah. read it as you cook. Exactly. But when she finally has him broken down and she's like about to apply her like feminine wiles to him, we cut to a fantasy sequence of Burke on a date in a park having a little picnic. It is so there's a couple things one they're clearly on a set because the plants couldn't look worse and i really enjoyed that it looked like um like you'd seen a soap opera right, um, right. Uh, but was this a real memory or a, mer- a memory that was being like because clearly what it is he's having a memory with an ex-girlfriend but what she's doing is sort of uh asking him the questions that the uh um yeah she's priding him to answer questions not yeah. to be so closed off but doing it in a nice way like hey we're on a date and you i always talk about myself and you never tell me anything about you i want to know everything about you is he wearing a turtleneck <laughs> probably i think he was wearing a turtleneck i mean it's 1974 yeah seems likely no it's not it's 1980 no you're right i'm yeah. sorry yeah uh but this is you know it's kind of kind of working we have this little fantasy sequence with him on a date but then it becomes hilarious well and then it cuts back and she's like leaning in to look at him and he looks up at her and he says to dr one he's like i love you and then he maybe like I don't like did he suddenly like recognize her as an ape? You know what happens is she I think she pushes it too far. He's very susceptible. He's sort of in this weird mindset. She goes in for a kiss. Oh, is that what she's doing? She leans down and she goes in for a kiss. And as she gets real close, he's like, oh, and then he freaks out, which but I was disappointed because I thought that would be our second time he's kissed an ape. But oh, no, man. she goes in for a kiss like as of like he's still really susceptible. But he uh, he he realizes that, that actually reverse and breaks him out of the uh, the trance he's in. It freaks him out because he's like wants it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. he's like, oh, what does this mean? Yeah. But yeah, it breaks a trance. And what was weird to me is like, I'm like, this is working. You almost got him there. Like you're so close mm-hmm. to breaking him. 
And as soon as he turns away from the kiss, I guess, and like turns away, she's like, ah, fuck it. Call Urko. He can lobotomize this guy. Yeah, I she know. She gives up instantaneously. She gives up because basically she's like, I put myself out there and I got hurt. So I'm never doing that again. She, Call an Urko. She was so close. Yeah. She almost had him. Yeah. But you now I think we cut over it. Um, oh, we're no, going we to circle back to okay. uh, we're going to cycle back to what old Verdun and Galen have been up to. But this is kind of w- what's been going on with Burke and his mm-hmm. brainwashing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Galen and Verdun state out loud they are 19 hours away from Central City. Who knows where they are? But very important for us to know how many hours. Yeah. So they do what has become their go-to: they grand theft cart. Yeah. They steal another ape's cart as they do almost yeah, every time they need to get anywhere. The way they do this one is they have Galen just lay in the road. So the guy, being a nice person, nice ape, stops and is like, are you okay? And then what's his face? Grabs him from behind again. Yeah, they just jump <laughs> on him. Every time they take his cart. They are criminals. Yeah, Galen gets to... Uh, uh, is this where he dresses up like a woman so they get into the city? Yeah, Urko's put up because he knows they're going to come for him. He's put up roadblocks and like checkpoints at every entrance to the city. And as they roll up, yeah. At first I'm like... Is this voice he doing? Because I can't tell if he's what he's trying to do. But I'm like, is he trying to pretend to be a woman? And yeah. he is. Some weird Hilarious. voice and like weird costume. And Verdun's like hidden himself under the cart or something. Just think though. Roddy McDowell has to pretend to be an ape, pretending to be an ape woman. He does it all the time though. Remember yeah. when he was a doctor and he put on a weird doctor voice? It's true. He loves to like be an ape who then also likes to act as other <laughs> exactly. things. Yeah. But the point is they break into the city. They they get into the city undercover and ditch uh, the cart. And where where would you go if I was going back mm-hmm. to Central City? I mean, I'd do what Galen does. Yeah, you go to see mom and dad. I'd go to my parents' place. We're gonna meet Galen's parents, and yeah. I could not have been happier. Me too. I really like that. It's I actually felt we maybe got too far in this series without actually learning a little bit more about his back history. I mean, you don't really get that much, but you get you know his parents, you know his family, you know kind of where he came from. Now, let me ask you one question, Luke. I noticed something. And maybe this is obvious, but both of his parents are chimpanzees. And it made me think, I guess there's no interbreeding between the apes. Am I right? I mean, I hadn't thought about it. But I'm just saying, like, they've clearly evolved to a point where they're a little bit more human. Right. Human-like. So do you think there's ever been, like, a gorilla on chimpanzee? Or it's a good question. orangutan on gorilla, you know? Because like, I was kind of hoping that you you see, like, his his family and one would be a different ape. Like or an something. interspecies relationship? Yeah. It's a good Isn't it about time? I mean, if this show is about dealing with social issues, if they ha- if they don't by the end of the series, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's maybe we'll maybe we'll get that as we go on. But both his parents are are um chimpanzees. Yeah. There's his mom, Anne, yeah. who uh has a unique <laughs> face for the rest of the apes. She does, right? I think they might have got new ape masks the later they got into the show cuz it's a little different than the other ones. I didn't hate it. I actually kind of liked it. I liked it. it too. It's a little bit more um, pronounced in the mouth. It's interesting because it feels like less of rubber mask and more of a prosthetic they're attaching to a face. Yeah. So it's it's a little sleeker, but it still looks really cool. Yeah. And she looks unique too. Like she doesn't look like one of the other other apes. Yeah. And then there's his dad. He's got Ye- a nice... Yelu. Yelu's got a nice graying pattern. Yep. He is uh, an elected council member. So he's he's a government ape. And he's a little bit prejudiced. Yeah, I mean, who isn't in this world? Well, what we find is his mom is a little bit more open-minded, a little bit more open-minded to his his uh, his uh, human friends, and the dad's a little bit more like, "This is how I raised you. You're bringing these humans into my house." Well, Jordan, the stinky, stinky humans. I know how much you like me talking about the ape government and its all <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Well, this opened up a lot of doors in my mind, this whole thing. Okay. Because I think we get the clearest view of how the ape government... I think we've seen a lot of it in Drubs and Drabs. This is the first time I think we've seen it in context outside of just Zeus and Urko. Mm-hmm. And granted, I just finished watching Chernobyl, but I really do feel like the ape government is kind of like a communist Russia in like the 1980s because it's all about not what's true, but what is perceived. I thought the same thing. I wrote that note. It does seem like a communist government is what well is, and maybe this is sort of a Cold War backdrop, and it, maybe it's intended, maybe not, but there, there definitely is a feeling of that through this show. Well, like when Burke is being interrogated, he says, I won't tell you the apes that helped me, and the woman's just like, no apes helped you. That's impossible. Like, she won't even, like, it's just that's like, right, that's yeah. not the official story. I can't accept it. Like, just move on from this. And, and she keeps pushing. It's actually interesting because that's her interrogation. It's like, who helped you? And he's like, well, I don't know. It was a lot of people. She's like, no, it wasn't. No one helped you. And he's like, well, that's not the answer you give, you, you want. And she's like, and she just keeps pushing that over and over that she'll just break him until she gives the answer that no one helped her because they would never do that. Yeah. And I mean, we get a quick, when Urko hears there's an abandoned cart, he's just like, send troops over to the councilman's the council ape's house and search it i bet you galen's there but when that gorilla garrison gets there they are walking on eggshells because mm-hmm. they're basically going into a leader's house who could like it feels like they could ruin their families they're yeah. so careful they don't find and they don't find anything because they're hidden under the floorboards and they're just like we're really sorry to have disturbed you the even the mother who like she recognized her husband's an important man and she can kind of like she drops push that them. all the time in this episode. She can push people because of her husband's position. It, yeah, it yeah, it felt like that's probably the world we're in, like a little communist Russia. Like you can't question the official story, even if the official story is absurd. Saying it's not means you're an enemy of the state. Right. So the 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 guys check the uh, house. The guards don't find Galen and, and Alan because they're hiding under the floor. They they get out and then they're basically like. Uh, let's go. If this happens real quick, but they're basically like, let's go. Uh, uh, go let's to the go jail. Save, yeah, let's go save Burke. He's probably at the jail. So they go to the jail. He's they, not. They raid the jail. They raid the jail. He's not there. They go back to the house, which I liked a bit because there was no no re- real reason for that scene. They go back to the house and then they're like kind of having a a brainstorming session and they basically go, wait a minute. Well, he, he, they asked the da- well they asked the dad. He was like, well, what have you heard of the council? He's like, they haven't said anything. Uh, but I mean, Urko wouldn't tell us. And this is where they have their idea. Yeah. And they're basically like, if only Urko knows where they're keeping him, because at this point, I don't know if we've mentioned, uh, they're keeping uh, Pete in a very secret. Um, yeah. They don't want anyone to know where he yeah, is. Yeah. He's, he's not at the normal jail. So they basically go, well, there's only one person. And we also know that Urko is very good at keeping records, he, which I don't know if we're true, but we, he's, we, he's like the Comey of yeah, the FBI right. of this world. So they're like, let's, go, a lot of let's go to his office. Look, last episode, we broke into Zayas's office. We can break into Urko's this this one. I was a little disappointed there wasn't a bust. But uh, <laughs> uh, they're, so they, that's what their plan is. They're going to break into Urko's. And they're going to look through all his scrolls. Yeah, they spend the night looking through his scrolls. Yeah. They find one that says, send a bunch of guards to the Crystal Castle. And they're like, oh, no, the Crystal ca- Caverns. Crystal Caverns, not the Crystal yeah. Castle. That must, that must be the place. And so they go off. But what I like about this is, I, I actually thought it was well done. They're there all night. And you can tell they're there all night. And so first thing in the morning, they got to get out because they hear Urkel coming. Poor Urkel has such long shifts. He was working that night. You can't you can't put your work down for a second. Someone will step into your place. Yeah. So he comes in. You get a sense that he kind of knows someone's been in there, but he can't really. He can't. He's like, just looks different. You know, he's like, is something different in here? But they basically get out. They know where he, where Pete is now. Yeah. But. There's a whole bunch of, you know, seems back and forth. What I like is they go to, Urko goes now to uh, where Pete is. Right. 
and his they're ma- loading him up yeah for the lobotomy his strategy is just like he just punches he just punches pete yeah he's just like that's he's like let's go pete and and then and then like like what's her thing that wanda's all angry i'm like don't just hit him and he gives the thing he's like i'm just trying to help yeah. like like guys like you called me in here you know what i do i hit people you know and i i just like that but while, while this is all happening they're basically like i'm gonna take him away we'll actually give him brain surgery and uh, uh galen and alan are basically watching from the top and they're like we'd love to go save him but we we can't fight all these guards so they get taken away to the hospital so it's like we got all the way here and we gotta go to the hospital now we gotta figure out a way to break into the hospital yeah well i will say one thing i did like did you notice this and it's been in previous episodes because we've had enough hospital like them going to the hospital them going to get that antidote in the last episode Mm -hmm. they've established now that the sign in the girl society for hospital is three Three red dots yeah and I kind of like how consistent that's become. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh, three red dots. That's that's an ambulance he's in. Mm-hmm. Like, I can recognize it now immediately. It's it's weird, all these little things they're, like, really committed to. Right, right. On a show that, like, didn't need to commit any effort to anything. Right. But, yes, they need to raid this hospital. They they bounce back to the house, and Galen asks his mom if he can borrow the cart, which they own a very fancy cart. Yeah, I like that, that he, he basically has to ask his parents for the car. That's what this is. And they're like, and the mom's like, all right, fine. You can use the cart. It's the fanciest cart we've ever seen. All the carts they've sold them so far just look like work well, carts from the, like, the Middle Ages. They're big money. This one's from big money. This one's like a full wooden with slots mm. in it, like beautiful oak. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the mom won't let them take the cart unless they adhere to her plan. Mm-hmm. She's got a plan to break Burke out and... They go for it. They say, yeah, mom, lend a hand. No, I like this. It it wasn't fully realized, but I like that this, for a moment, and it was a little bit of a letdown, but it became Mission Impossible. Could have been, yeah, it could have been a Mission Impossible, an Ocean's 8 or something. It, it What it really is, is they should have given the whole episode to this, but they only gave a couple minutes to right. the, okay, we're going to break in. You're playing this guy, and I'm doing this. And then when that lever's pulled, I'm walking through here. And it was a fun little thing. It just was too rushed, and I was a little disappointed. In that. It was. I mean, they basically get to the hospital, the mom has Galen pretend like he's a hurt ape with a bandage around his head. And it's like, hey, you, Verdun, who's also working at the hospital, come help him. Mm-hmm. They walk in. Gorillas are guarding it because they like don't let anybody in until the lobotomy is done. She throws her weight around. She's like, you know who my husband is? You're going to get in a lot of trouble. She forces her way like into the operating room where uh, Dr. Mathis, the ape uh, surgeon, is looking at a very uh, great drawing of a brain he has. Yeah, <laughs> just, I did like that. This is a real child's drawing of a brain. <laughs> Again, though. The the idea of what they know uh, in medical science and don't know is a little bit, a little bit uneven. There, I mean, they definitely seem to know a reasonable amount of how how the body works. Well, they know how to perform a lobotomy, but they don't know how to take a bullet out of someone's shoulder. And they don't know about blood types. And they don't know about blood types. They don't know how to take a bullet out of a human shoulder. Oh, that's right. No, but they do know how to operate on a human brain. Yeah, but that's because you can lobotomize. <laughs> right. Fair enough. You could just you could just smash around in there. They've smashed a lot of brains. Yeah. But this gets her in there. She kind of like argues the doctor like, what? You'll you'll help a human before you help an ape? Sounds yeah. crazy to me. And the doctor's like, oh, you're right. And he runs out of the room. They use this as an excuse. The two gorillas guarding Burke are in there. And uh, Ga- Galen and Verdun get the drop on yeah, them. It's a and, fight like, ensues. Big fight in the hospital. It's very funny because the mom too, as soon as the fight breaks out, she starts fanning like surprise. She's like, oh my, what's happening? Oh dear. And she kind of like runs out of the room as if she wasn't involved. Like mm-hmm. that was their plan. And she's like, yeah. and then you pretend like you didn't know any of this. And I have to say, poor Urko, his guys are so bad. They're just bad at everything. And that literally at one point, they're they're just tripping over each other. 
Like to let them get out. They're just tr- I'm like, like these guards are terrible. Who are I, they taking? I did like this brief, like madcap fight through the mm-hmm. hospital. Cause there is literally a scene where there's a uh, ape in traction. Like his leg is broken. He's got a heavy weight on the other side of a pulley to like separate the legs. So his leg can heal. Uh, Verdun grabs that pulley and he throws the counterweight at an ape and this ape on the table, his whole leg gets yeah. fr- and, he's, and he's screaming in pain. And Verdun is just like torturing the man. <laughs> It's it's a pretty like zany sort of fight scene and it's and it's a little chaotic, but the point being, they get out, they escape, they do the same thing they did last episode is they send a cart with nobody in it running off into the distance because yeah. Urko and his men chase. Yeah, and they're like, Ooh, we weren't on the cart, and they escape the hospital, and the whole thing wraps up. Actually, one of the more interesting, this is probably plays into my theory the most, is it ends with Urko basically interviewing the father and the mother about what happened at the hospital. Yeah. And he's just like, now you're sure the ape you had with you wasn't your son Galen? And she's like, of course not. I would know my son Galen. Like she's just flat out denying it was Galen. And her and the husband's is just like, listen, arrest us. If you have evidence, arrest us. Otherwise, give up on this whole thing. Like yeah. he's just like, you have yeah, no he, power. He, in yeah, this certainly. World. He's he's like, unless you have evidence, I can, I would consider this matter closed. Yeah. And that's like that's the last. And Urko like sheepishly is like, okay, I guess I the it's closed. Like I have no power. I have no political power in this relationship the it's closed and he kind of like sheepishly slinks out yeah so what's clear is he's in charge of the military and the military has a lot of power but compared to the council he's just an errand boy yeah it's it's it was an interesting end to it where like you're right like the wife of course that was gay like who else could it have been but she's just denying she's like just an eight by man on the road i don't know who he was i don't know why he's helping those two fugitive humans not my son though and he's like do you have evidence otherwise well then the place is closed get out of here and we get to finish on uh uh dad uh ape and galen hugging it out yeah he's proud of he's proud of his son galen even he, though he's, he's basically like it's it's almost an all in the family type episode sort of like like look we're not gonna agree but you have principle so come over here son and give me a big hug yeah. uh, i mean that about wraps up those two I yeah. mean, any final thoughts on these two episodes um again i don't know if it was my mindset of watching these but i thought these were a step up from the last few we'd watched um at least i enjoyed them more i don't know but what did you think i honestly I think it's clicked a bit more. Like, I mean, I agree the individual episodes stories aren't maybe the most smart or interesting, but the actual story, like you were saying, like obviously the horse racing one is a little complicated with all like the back mm. and forth. The t- this guy's betraying this guy. And this guy's but I'm like, at least I was just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen now. Like everyone's just betraying everybody yeah, now. Agreed. Everyone's building traps everywhere. I'm like, I, I like what a weird episode. And Urko's having the time of his life. And even in this other one, like meeting Galen's parents, seeing some of the like weird stuff with the hypnotism, like all the pol- the political maneuvering, not a great episode all over the place, but like all the little elements came together to like be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like sort of like they're both, they're neither one are great, but they're really watchable kind of fun episodes. Yeah. And, and, and it wouldn't kill the show to be more like this. Absolutely. Well, let's rate them. What do you want to give uh, the horse race? Both of these, I'm going to go up slightly from what I actually wrote down. Just as talking about it, I, I sort of uh, enjoy them a little more. I'm going to, I wrote down it was a pretty solid episode, nothing fancy, 6.5 out of 10. That's what you're going with? Yeah. What are you going with? I'm going to give it a 7. Wow. I think it's pretty close, though. We're pretty close. We're pretty close. I, I actually, and I'll go to the next one, the interrogation. I'm going to give it a 7 too. I felt like they were two solidly entertaining pieces of this show. I'm giving it a 7.5. Oh wow! So you re- you you coming up even more from that? Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked. It, it was just I thought Urko was great. I thought they the show knew what its strengths were and just played up to them. And it's like 
I, I just, you know, it wasn't as much of them just running and hiding, which I think are it's the weaker episodes in the show. Yeah. Well, we'd mentioned it earlier that, um, and I think I read a little bit more about it, that near the end, they were trying to retool the show to get more audience. And I think someone brought up in one of the early ones, I think when Kaveh was on, that um, Roddenberry came in at some point. Mm-hmm. And what I was reading is Roddenberry did come in, but they never ended up producing anything he'd worked on because it was just too late before they canceled and it. And he just wanted all the apes being bondage, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently he came in because they wanted someone to come in and like bring some of the effects background and like mm. make the world a bit bigger and give it a little more of that like just the interesting to look at elements mm-hmm. of Star Trek. But from what I read, like they never quite got around to producing any of those. But I think, and I could be wrong because we're in kind of the back half here. These two felt like it's like, oh, someone's starting to get their feet under this thing yeah. like elements are starting to click together it's not all there yet but some of the pieces are starting to click doesn't it feel like i like our two leads i think they're much better than almost all the leads of the shows we've seen however it feels like they're maybe not the strength of the show they don't know what to do with them i mean that's maybe that's what it is i think you're right the actors are actually quite good they're doing a lot with what they get they're actually very watchable they have personalities I mean, the actual writers, I think every episode are like, I don't quite know what to do. Yeah, with it's them. almost like um, the two guys should have started a ripple effect, like these astronauts. And like I think you mentioned before, it would be nice to see the effects in each of these worlds and maybe have an episode where you're just seeing the farm after they've left. Six months later. Six yeah. months later or whatever. The effect or like of, a newspaper rolls by and like, did yeah. you read about And them? as the cast of characters gets larger, you have more interesting stories, but they feel handcuffed by... I just think the time they're in where it's like, those are our two leads. They're going to be in every episode. And it's like, but maybe they don't need to be, you know? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, what, what happens if we find out that uh kid is preaching pacifism around the world and yeah. he's become like a, a, a cultist or something. Yeah. Th- there's some more interesting stories, but, but I think you're right. It, these last two episodes at least felt more confident than, than some of the ones in the past. Absolutely. They kind of knew what to do for the most part. Now, more importantly, Luke, we've gone through two episodes. Do we know who's playing Urko in our, in our uh, in our new, new series, <laughs> you know what? I forgot we had said anything. All all all. Wow, how long ago was it now? Days, yeah, days, hours, hours. <laughs> Who's gonna be Urko? Oh, I think I got it. Okay, who is it? I think he's on the wall. The continued rag studio. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's great. And and he gets his own title card. It's all the characters and, and Michael Keaton as Urko. I think done. It, I think he'd be good, actually. Oh, he would be great. I just looked up, and I'm like, it's Michael Keaton. He's been in front of my face this whole time. We have a bit of a wall of a wall of fame in front of us. That's what Luke's pointing at. Imagine I pointed at Greg Evigan. <laughs> I thought at first you were, <laughs> I thought you were pointing at Tony Todd at first. I was like, Tony Todd? Okay, he, he'd take it. Yeah, I, he would take it. He, I mean, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. But, but uh, no, Michael Keaton, it's that's Michael it. It's Michael Keaton, 100%. Okay, so quick recap of that. Hold on, let me go back to my notes on this. So it's Planet of the Apes, 2K19. Ryan Murphy is the showrunner. It's a crazy, it's a crazy new version of the show you haven't seen before. And who do, who do we have? What do we got? Alan Verdun is played by Jeffrey Wright. Right. Pete Burke is played by John Cho. Galen is played by Paul F. Tompkins. This <laughs> is so weird. Doctor Zayas is Brendan Gleeson, and Urko is Michael Keaton. Yeah, it's at least something. It's a show you've never seen before, dude. There's one really good season. Yeah, that's right. There's one really good season in the second season. Like they just kind of lost it. It was like they did. We didn't need more of this. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Thank God Jordan remembered to finish that game, or we would have been very disappointed at the end of this episode. <laughs> a, a, a ape freak would have written us probably. In the meantime, if you have your own ideas of who uh, should be in a ape Planet of the Apes reboot television series, you can email us at continuumdragonjournal.com. And of course, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. 
we're going to have Urko turn into Cameron saying, mm-hmm. I love racing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so good. There's actually a few lines of him this episode yeah. that are going to be like him explaining how brainwashing works. Oof, so good. Yeah, he's just exasperated all the time. It's wonderful. Just run the brain under cold water. <laughs> you guys, it's easy. Um, but yeah, you can follow us uh, at Continuing Drag on those platforms. And I guess uh, that's about it. Listener, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, fun as always. Thank you very much. You know what would be great? No, thank you. D- Danny DeVito. As a guest star. As a guest star. Would it be great? I'd be all right. I'm I'm into it. A little tiny ape. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. 